Welcome to The Measure of a Fan, a Star Trek-themed podcast in which two Star Trek nerds take a Star Trek noob through all of Star Trek chronologically. My name is PJ Montgomery, and as ever, I am joined by Matt Troy. Hello. And Elliot Red. Good evening, afternoon, morning, whatever time it is for you. Good to cover all the bases there, Elliot. Well done. Well, it's afternoon for us, but then I realised it might not be for whoever's listening, so <laughs> mid, mid-process I had to adjust. This week, we're looking at... Season 1, episode 13 or 14 of Enterprise, depending on how you look at it with the pilot, Sleeping Dogs. This is a Malcolm-heavy episode, folks, so strap in. <laughs> oh, boy. So, the teaser, we open with Malcolm getting Hoshi to touch his weapon. Yeah. <laughs> it was awkward, wasn't it? It really was. Any scene it's with Malcolm really- is, right? What? But I feel like, especially after we had that really awkward scene where he thought she was flirting with him two episodes ago. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. I did forget about that. I, yeah. I kind of feel Basic- like he, he never rescinded that. I kind of think that he still thinks that now, and he's going to think that forever. Yeah. Basically, she's trying to shoot a little thingy with a phaser, practicing. She keeps missing, and he says, oh, you're not doing it right. That's also, it. they had that thing at the beginning where they, they kind of lock and loads the phaser, and I think it was meant to make the phaser look cool, but it just made it look more like a toy. <laughs> <laughs> the phasers on Enterprise are kind of rubbish. I mean, it did look like they... it would make that that cycle of repeating laser sounds one after the other. <laughs> it did, didn't it? I've actually got one of those in this room. I might, <laughs> I might just get it out in a, in a bit and randomly make some phaser sounds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, I don't mind the design of the phaser pistols on on Enterprise because they look sort of like a big chunky sci-fi gun that will eventually evolve into the sleeker model we get in the original series, but they do seem to look quite cheap and plasticky. They do. I think that they were kind of optimistically modeled as toys, you know, something that, that could be used as a toy, but then obviously no kids in the world had any interest in Enterprise at all whatsoever. I've got a, a friend of mine uh, who is a friend of the show. He, he's he's been listening, uh, Andy Clift, who he's a huge toy collector and he's got loads of Star Trek toys. And I've seen photos of his his working desk. He's an artist, so the, the desk where he works is sort of covered in in various different things at different times. And he's got about four or five different phases on there: a few original series models, some TNG era. Uh, I think he's got a Discovery one and a movie one. No Enterprise one. Hmm. Surprising that, right? (laughs) (laughs) But this rather pointless scene just ends with the ship dropping out of warp to survey a gas giant. Yeah. And then Travis says something folksy, 
so he can be ticked off for the episode. That's everything he had to do. Quota filled, right? Yeah, exactly. Just leave He him gets a few dry. lines later on. He does get a few lines later on, but I think that's only because they've taken three other characters off the ship, so they didn't have many other main characters <laughs> to choose from. Yeah. Scraping the barrel, yeah. Also, DePaul is a twat about it as well. Arguably, justifiably. She, like, casts some shade on his little stupid folksy st- um, statement. <laughs> so, they find this... Uh, this gas giant they find that there's a ship in the atmosphere but then we cut to sick bay because malcolm's got to cold oh that this is all weird isn't it and i don't i don't know why they gave him a cold like i know later on he can't smell but like the in in sort of my head canon the reason they gave him the cold was because in this episode instead of like somebody else you know skidding the shuttle pods around in poo he actually brought the poo back with him like that's the only explanation i can think of and that's a purely measure of a fan head cannon uh response to, to his cold <laughs> i like it it's just it's just it, as you said it has absolutely no relevance on the rest of the episode other than later on there's a moment where they say oh that smells really bad and he says oh i can't smell anything yeah like, but that's they- it if they'd have been like, oh, the smell of this is so bad that it's making us like pass out because it, it's so disgusting and he was the last person working. Or even if the cold got him pregnant or something. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know? No matter how stupid it is, fine. But know, it just what it, no relevant. What it ended up amounting to was that he just became a literal walking metaphor of his own per- like personality because he's now super super stuffy instead of just british stuffy now yeah. he's literally stuffed as well <laughs> i was wondering if it was supposed to be a weird little reference to uh there's an episode of next generation where data tries to pretend to sneeze for some reason and wesley asks him if he has a cold and data says no colds were eradicated in like a hundred years ago or something i was wondering if they were just supposed to be saying hey look hey look we are before the next generation because malcolm's got a cold if they are, somebody needs to roll up a newspaper, go around their houses and hit whoever was responsible for that on the nose with that newspaper. <laughs> well, uh, the episode was written by Fred Decker, so... Well, Decker, I, I, I feel bad. I mean, I was hoping it'd be Berman or Braga, but Decker, you're getting the newspaper on the nose this episode, sorry. <clears throat> and do you know what? I did think when this came up and then later in the episode, but like obviously we're not there yet, but later in the episode we encounter sick Klingons. And I thought that maybe there would be a correlation between Malcolm's sickness and the sickness of the Klingons, but they're completely unrelated. There's yeah. nothing to do with each other at all. So it I don't a... understand why Malcolm, as you say, why Malcolm was sick in the first place. It just doesn't need do to be there. Do you remember when Archer could hear a squeak? In, yeah. In yeah. A few weeks ago. Like, that was more relevant than this. And that was like promptly <laughs> dropped. And then never referred to again. And I'm yeah. still, I'm still kind of hoping in my head that one day, like Archer's window is going to pop out and he's going to get blown into space. <laughs> and well, I know it's like he had a squeak. Sorry, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool. The fucking squeak. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Malcolm's basically on, been picked for this away mission to whatever the ship they're going to turns out to be. So that's why he's gone to see Flox. He's like, I'm going on away mission and I've got to cold. And and yeah, fuck you, Malcolm. But then there's this really weird scene where Hoshi goes to Archer and says, I want to be on the away mission too. And they kind of call back to the second episode where Hoshi didn't want to go on away missions. But it feels like 
they're trying to do character development, but because there has been absolutely no mention of it between that episode and this episode, and Hoshi has been on multiple away missions in that time, yeah. it just feels really weird. It does yeah, feel it feels weird. very forced, doesn't it? Also, and I know this, this is another medical point from, you know, podcast doctor, um, is uh, why are they letting Malcolm title, go into that way. ship if he's got a cold? That's contamination. And if, they, if there's a potential for a rescue operation, his alien germs could kill whoever's on that ship. But they didn't make you captain, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> they made Archer captain, and he said Malcolm can go. Damn that Archer. <laughs> I think Archer's secretly hoping that, that Malcolm would die on the away mission. I mean, I'm going to have a little. I'm going to have a little chat about Archer later on. Oh, we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it. I, I love the weekly Archer shade that we we can. <laughs> uh, it's to do with that as well. I've been I've been throwing the Archer shade because I heard myself back. So I I, I want to come back on it a little bit. But then he gave me some more ammo. So we'll see. <laughs> Elliot, have you have you is Archer your enemy now? Is that oh, what's absolutely happened? not? Absolutely he, not. He doesn't know it, but you know you're in a war with him. No, no, no. Absolutely, it's far more like the village idiot. You know, you just sort of <laughs> don't consider him that much, and then every now and then you see him and remember he's there. So, like the next step, they fly over to the shuttle, uh, flying the shuttle down into the gas giant, and they find a ship there. Yeah, yeah, and it's a Klingon ship that that neither the humans or, or T'Pol are familiar with. And I, I read up on it. Apparently, this is the only time this class of Klingon ship has ever appeared. It's quite interesting, actually, yeah, because it's sort of... It's it's about the size of a bird of prey, but it, it looks like, from the model, like it's very sort of less well-armed than a bird of prey. And it's only slightly bigger than Lanath's starship or the Klingon Augment starship, which will come up later in the series, which is like basically a cooler version of this ship. So I've got like a little bit of a theory that it's maybe like an older model, possibly. It's just kind of knocking around. I know they call it like a scout ship, but like literally like a, a bird of prey is a scout ship, as is that Augment ship that we see later on, which is really cool. But yeah, this one's kind of weird looking. It's kind of clunky. And I just think that, uh, I don't know if it was anyone's specific intentions, but it seems just to be like a bit of a, an old knock around spaceship then. So one thing I was thinking when I looked at this this ship on the screen is that when, we're a ways off, but when we get to Discovery, obviously the Klingons and their ships look a lot different. Yes. But I actually thought this ship is the first time I've looked at a Klingon ship that was on screen before Discovery and thought, I can almost see the lineage. Okay, yeah, because they obviously did a reuse of a, of a, of a D7, didn't they, a couple of weeks ago when we saw the Klingons last time, and it was just a bit sort yeah. of embarrassing for all concerned. But yeah, this actually is a really good example. There's, there's a couple of things on it that have brought up some criticisms in the past, uh, one of them being the fact that it looks like it's got Dominion-style engines on it, um, oh yes this, yeah. yeah like a super nerd fact but yeah it's actually pretty decent and and i would have happily seen like you know dozens of these flying around fulfilling all of the klingon ship roles in the first couple of series so I, I thought it was actually quite a neat design but then they obviously went and made their own bird of prey for this era as well which we'll talk about when that pops up so they board the klingon ship to paul hoshi and malcolm and they find the crew it's not really 100 percent clear at this point if they are dead or unconscious but they assume unconscious and then there's a big argument with T'Pol saying they're Klingons let's just leave them to die yeah it's what they would want also they take off their helmets as well which I thought was slightly ridiculous well 
T'Pol uses her tricorder, doesn't she, and basically says, oh, it's fine. I know, but, you know, I just think it's bad practice. I just think you're pretty safe inside your own suit. Yeah. And and something has caused this to happen, and you don't know what it is, and you've got a suit on. I'd be like, I'm leaving my suit on, like, at least for now. When I get down to, like, an hour, eh, I'll... I'll switch it off, okay? If everyone's, if you're, if you're all okay, then I'll, yeah. I'll take my helmet off. Yeah, I, I, I'm with Matt on this at this point, especially once I find unconscious bodies. I'm like, yeah, oh, mask back on, like obviously. Um, <laughs> but I will also say that those spacesuits that they were wearing, I don't know if it's because I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't remember it rightly, but they were really reminded me of the, the suits that Kirk and somebody else wears in the Abrams film when they do the big dive. Oh yes, they yeah. kind of reminded me of those suits that they were wearing. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I can see pretty that. Pretty good actually in terms of prop suits. I've definitely yeah, seen yeah, them. I like they them. look too bad. Yeah. Mm. So while they're looking around the Klingon ship, they are spotted by a, a lady Klingon who seems to come out of the freezer. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she basically jumps them, knocks them down, nicks their shuttle, and flies away. Which is inconvenient, because Archer said, you've only got 20 minutes, and then you've got to get back on the shuttle and leave, or you're not going to be able to get back to the Enterprise. Yeah. There's also a bit around this point, isn't there, where Malcolm says, "Uh, photon torpedoes, I've never heard of anything like that before. And then, don't they very soon have photonic torpedoes installed onto the Enterprise in, in, in a few episodes' time or something like that? Right. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It is our first canonical mention of photon torpedoes, which, yay? I think that they probably shouldn't have said it. I reckon they should have just not mentioned it at all. Just left it kind of ambiguous as to whether everyone was using photon torpedoes in in this time period at all, because it it then kind of makes the the photon torpedo just like a 200-year-old weapon by the time we see it. And you feel like, yeah, you know, let's let's have something else. Like just even if it's rubbish, just for the fun of it, like something that fires like you know, sparklers or something, anything else. <laughs> I mean, in, in my head, a photon torpedo is, is sort of something that develops over time time. And while it does it evolves and becomes better and they upgrade it, and it's like how Nintendo had the Game Boy for about twenty-five years and they just released better yeah. versions of it, and then eventually they went, ah. Oh, we can't redo really the Game Boy any better. Quantum torpedoes or the Nintendo DS. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That is that's a really good point on it. And I'm usually the first to defend things that last for a long time in science fiction. Star Trek, obviously, being one of the prime examples of this of like having spaceship classes that seem to be around for like 80, 90 years. And I'm just like, oh, it's probably just really good metal. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it would have been a bit nicer. If he'd have said, ooh, these torpedoes, I've never seen anything like this before, that would have been fine. Yeah, I agree, actually. I agree. I think they just wanted to say photon torpedoes, didn't they? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Also, there's that bit there where they're like, oh, this appears to be the helm station, and I would have absolutely loved it if they'd have pressed a button and it'd have served them a big cup of steaming hot Ractagino. <laughs> Isn't Ractagino a Bajoran drink? Oh, I thought it was Klingon coffee. I think it's a Bajoran coffee, but we'll uh, we'll we'll double check that. Continue. We probably won't. We're, we're going to forget. How the hell did you spell Ractagino, Rack? While please. Matt is looking up coffees, <laughs> so the the shuttle pod with the Klingon aboard flies past the Enterprise, starts sending out a, a distress beacon, basically to other Klingons, and 
Enterprise fires its grappling hook, and because it's not Malcolm manning the weapons, it's actually Trip this time. They hit it first time. <laughs> it is Klingon coffee, by the way. Oh, okay. I was wrong. I apologize. I'll change it in the edit so I wasn't. Okay. Make me sound wrong. Yeah. I am a big, stupid head. It is Bajoran <laughs> coffee. There we go. I've done it for you. Guess <laughs> your sound bite. <laughs> Yeah, so the the grappler actually seems to work. I mean, to be fair, it's because it's grappling the only thing shitter than the uh, NX-01, which is one of the NX-01 shuttles. <laughs> so they they bring the Klingon aboard, and Archer has clearly learned lessons from his time on that primitive backwater planet a few weeks ago because he shoots the Klingon in the back. At last. Because he criticised Paul for doing that a few weeks ago, but I think he's realised, actually, this is the right thing to do. Yeah, at least he didn't drop his gun as well. (laughs) So Archer then says, we'll take the Enterprise into the gas giant to rescue our crew, but they can't get deep enough. Ah, well. So they start trying to question the Klingon. So I'm just looking her up on Memory Alpha because I didn't get her name in the episode. Apparently it is Bukar. Oh, I made a note of this. Was that... This is like around the time when Ali G was massively popular, right? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, whenever I see something like this, I'm just like, that's definitely a reference. Um, <laughs> I don't know, you know if, you've, if you've ever listened to my other podcast, We Make Things Fight. But at one point, uh, I found out that the, the cop, David Toshki, might have been the inspiration for Toshi Station on, uh, from, from Star Wars A New Hope. And I'm just whenever I so whenever I see something like this, now I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what I would do if I was looking for a sci-fi name. And you're kind of sitting around, and you're looking for things, and you pick up, you know, like a newspaper or watch TV, and you see an ad, and then but Ali G is going buka buka, and you're like, right, that's where this name's come from. I'm convinced. <laughs> I it wouldn't surprise me because even by Klingon standards, that seems like a weird name. It does. I think they were trying to make a Klingon girl name, and I know they're not great at that. <laughs> Well, no, no. <laughs> Rilke. But Archer goes to question her, although before that he gets a little talking to from Trip, where I feel like Connor Trenier was just having some fun. Because he basically says, you've got to be strong, does a little strong fist pump thing, and says, show might. And I just think that felt like a little improv to me, and it was Connor Trenier going, this is, this is shit, so I'm going to have some fun. Yeah, it's all he has to do this episode, right? Yeah. Pretty much. They could have just not brought him in. Yeah, like, there was no reason for him to be there other than he happens to be a main member of the cast. Like he could have just been doing his job, but instead he was fannying around, taunting people. <laughs> but then Archie gets nothing from the Klingon because, you know, honor, strength, warriors, you know, whatever. Hey, let's let's talk about this, okay? Are the Klingons like just the absolute worst alien race? Like, there's absolutely no reason why they ever survived getting off their home world and doing anything else. Like they're utterly without redemption. The, the, the problem is, I think you get the original series where Klingons, yeah, there is that warrior element and that honor element to them, but they're also incredibly cunning in the yeah, original series. They're very different There's in lots- the original series, which is yeah. being explained in very, very various uh, ways. Cunning. But- Interesting. And yeah. then you get the movies where they, they appear in a couple of the movies and they do some really interesting things with them there. Also, Next generation comes along. Kind of racist caricatures of Russians in the movies as well. 
Like, yeah, they, they they do that whole thing where like there's a drunk Klingon at some listening station, like a Cold War kind of trope, and then they do the whole thing where uh, they say you know Shakespeare is best in its original Klingon, which is like like a Russian stereotype that Russians claim that everything is Russian. But it was fine because the movie period was weird and it was in the 80s and obviously the Soviet Union is falling. Yeah, and then you get Next Generation where you've got Worf, but other than that, the Klingons themselves, they only appear maybe a couple of times a season. Yeah. And the actual Klingon episodes are dealing with the Klingon homeworld and political intrigue there and how that all works, and, and that's quite good. And then Deep Space Nine comes along and does really good stuff with the Klingons. There's some fantastic Klingon storylines on Deep Space Nine. The problem yeah. is, while Deep Space Nine is going, Berman and Braga aren't really there. They're doing Voyager, which doesn't have much Klingon stuff at all. So then when they decide to do Enterprise, and that's Berman and Braga again, they look at Deep Space Nine, don't really understand what worked about the Klingons, and just completely fuck them up on Enterprise at this point. Wow. I get where they were going in that they had to make the Klingons belligerent again. You know, they had their little red, you know, Mick, Kronos, belligerent again hats. So it's that M-Q-B-A hats. And, yeah, I get where they were going with it, but they also just kind of made them... They just took out the thing, the elements of redemption that interaction with human beings had given the Klingons in the past. And I would have rathered if they'd have built a relationship with the Klingons that started off well, and then by the end of Enterprise, like some rogue human elements or like the you know, the main thrust of the, the whole Federation thing just made them isolationist and, and put them into that spiral. I know we never really got to see that, but instead all that they did is just kind of make these pop-up Klingons that just shout at you and tell them they're going to kill you and you know, try and murder you if you rescue them. Well, yeah, they've just turned them into simple bully characters. Yeah, oh, worse, not even that. It's, it's more than that, because the impression I've got of Klingons so far from just watching this is they're fucking stupid as well as just violent. If you encounter them, they're likely to try and attack you, but if they win a war, they're likely to get poisoned from their own fucking supply and not even realise, in the middle of a video, we have not been able to glug, 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 identify the source of our glug, 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 poison, but we know that... <laughs> glug, 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 glug. Like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> yeah, anyway, there yeah, are they, actually they are, they are Klingon scientists. <laughs> Are they breaking beakers going, this beaker has <laughs> dishonored me. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, how you get over the host my hands. Once again, there were no breakthroughs today. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I you know, I and I get that you're only seeing one element of Klingon society, and Enterprise does actually handle this in another episode in the future. But yeah, they're just just terrible. Just embarrassing. They're a bit like what they remind me of. Um, and Discovery have also had a villain like this recently. Is The Walking Dead when you get like a bunch of angry people in leather jackets who are the bad guys for a few series, and it's all well and good. But you you're going to come to a point where just being like a warrior style people means that you're all going to be dead of tooth decay by the time you're thirty. You know, <laughs> that's what I feel about these guys. Yeah, I agree. I think I think as you say they do get better, but I don't think that's really going to happen until the fourth season when the new executive producer comes in and, and takes over the day-to-day running of the show from Berman and Braga. Yeah. So, sorry Elliot, we've got shit Klingons for a while. That's all right. <laughs> anyway, 
Trip suggests that they could reinforce the shuttle pod so that it can reach the Klingon vessel and, and rescue Malcolm to Paul and Hoshi. And they basically do this by building a roll cage, like in a rally car inside it. Yeah. But out of a special metal. Yeah. I mean, that's all well and good, but I do feel that the way that we see it crumple the Klingon ship in, in, in subsequent scenes, that, that this is really just Trip saying, <laughs> yeah, and something, hopefully nobody dies. What's that, Trip? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we, we cut back to the Klingon ship where the three of them have got rid of the outer layer of spacesuits and are just standing around in Lycra, where uh, this is the point where Lisa, my wife, said, Malcolm is not a man who's built for Lycra. I thought he was surprisingly I thought I think I don't think the lycra flattered him. I think we'll we'll get we'll get onto it, and I wish we didn't have to, but we will get onto it a bit more in in a little bit. But yeah, I don't think the the lycra flattered him. But I think that was more the shape of of the suit they designed out of the lycra. Yes, we did. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the episode, though, just because we and again I got to see. Star Trek characters forced into a situation where they had to do their jobs properly and be good yes. at them. And T'Pol was, you know, in charge and going, well, this and this and this in order to live and their stuff like that, which is probably my favorite part of any episode is when there's actually people doing their jobs well. Oh, is yeah. this also the um, first chronological mention of Gach as well? Well, we are about to get to that. We do get a brief scene first with Archer and Trip, and Archer saying, I made a tactical error with that Klingon. I wasn't aggressive enough. That's basically the extent of that. And, <laughs> you know, that's coming up again. But then, yeah, we get Malcolm complaining that he's not well, and Paul says, well, drink some water, you fucking idiot. So they go to try and find some water, and, yes, we get our first mention and look at Gach. Which is... Elliot, did you like the Gach? Um... I didn't even notice the gah. It's the worm. It's the worm food thing. Oh, it was the worm. <laughs> Bowl of worms. Did you see that? I did. How do you feel about those worms? How do I feel about it? Oh, um, well, first of all, what are they cling on food? Like the wargs or whatever they were? They cling on yeah. food. Targs. Also, Targs. I want to just point out here that not to be confused with gak, which is cocaine. <laughs> Although the Klingons also do gag. <laughs> I would yeah, be best injected alive. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Gach is best eaten alive, so I was riffing on that. Okay, 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 let's move on. <laughs> so then, for no reason at all, Hoshi seems to have a panic attack. So then there's a really weird scene where Topol strokes her hand, tells her to imagine she's calming an ocean, and then she's fine. That was weird, wasn't it? I couldn't yeah. tell if that was a like Vulcan mind trick, or if that was straight-up Darren Brown psychology that any human can do. You just need to be a good human being. Like It was impossible yeah. to tell. It was pretty lame. It was kind of like when you go like for some kind of weird like therapy at a therapy center and then somebody's like making you roll around on a big ball and touching yeah. your head. It, <laughs> it didn't it, again it was that thing i mean it, it must be a vulcan proven psychological 
thing. Otherwise, it would be totally illogical for her to do it. Well, Memory Alpha specifically says that uh, it's implied to be a mild telepathic suggestion. Oh, okay. So she can teach telepathy? Because she says she can can teach Hoshi to do it on her own. Yeah, I I don't (laughs) think this ever comes up again. It was just a weird scene. Weird, I'm getting a lot of scene. that from this show. Yeah, well, particularly this episode. So then there's a bit of an argument where they say, well, we can't get these systems working. And Malcolm's all like, let me fire torpedoes. I know oh, torpedoes. He's... Oh, I love them so much. <laughs> he's such a torpedo file, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh well, there God. it is. That's the best joke we're ever going to have on this show. <laughs> he's so terrible about it. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no registry for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So Malcolm's plan apparently is to use explosions in the gas giant to lift the ship up out of the atmosphere, which, you know, okay. And then we cut back to the Enterprise where Archer goes to speak to the Klingon with fully in his mind now going, right, I know what i got to do. I've got to be tactical and do the honour and aggression, and then basically speak to her in the exact same way he did earlier. Yeah! Is this how you plan to gain my trust? First poison me, then miraculously cure me? Have you had a drink lately? What? The bioagent that affected you and your crew was consumed, apparently, in alcohol. Specifically, the toxin was bonded to a molecule unique to Xerentine Ale. There was a raid? Yes. I can understand you're not wanting to talk about it if the raid went badly for you. The Xerentines are no match for us. We attacked their outpost and took what we wanted. And that included some Xerentine Ale? Did your whole crew drink it? The triumph belonged to all. I'll take that as a yes. It was that ale that infected you, not us. Think about it. When did your crew start getting sick? Was it right after the raid? After you celebrated your victory? This is a trick. Is it? How do you feel? Better or worse since the injection? Yeah, he did, didn't he? He didn't even put on a forceful voice. There was nothing. There was no, you Klingons, you just, honour. this is what honour. Or the shouting, it was just like, oh, please help us. Look, we've made you better. We've cured you. And it was in the wine. You shouldn't have drunk that wine. That was a bad idea. Oh, look, we've made you better. You feel good now, don't you? Help (laughs) me. And the way he won was the same way that you said that they said in the other episode. It literally ended up with, but honour. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was that. It was literally just. Um, so yeah, if if you don't mind, uh, it wasn't actually us who who, who poisoned. So if you could just give us a hand with honor, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really embarrassing for all concerned. Uh, and apparently that worked. <laughs> of course it did, because it's the first season of Enterprise. <sighs> so Malcolm starts firing torpedoes, slowly lifting the. Klingon ship up and the Enterprise shuttle pod flies down so the Klingon and Archer board the Klingon ship and she starts to fix it and then they go back to the Enterprise on their shuttle and she takes the Klingon ship away but then the Klingon ship hails the Enterprise because 
the crew are fine now, and the captain's like, I want your ship! Oh, God, yeah, <laughs> they're so fucking tiresome, aren't they? Yeah, this is another the captain, thing by that the way, me... played by the same guy who plays Admiral Forrest. Is it really? They just put a Klingon hat on Admiral Forrest. Oh. <laughs> yeah, another actor was supposed to do it, but there was some kind of last-minute scheduling conflict, so they just stuck Admiral Forrest in the costume. But this is the dude that was poisoned, right, that is now better? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so this is another thing that gave me that image of Klingons. It's like, what a fucking idiot to have been <laughs> yeah. poisoned, saved, get up, sit back in your chair and go, but other people who saved us still there? Hail them, hail them. Ca- Why do you want to hail them? Hail them now. Give us your ship. Captain, are you sure about it? Give us a ship. I just <laughs> want a ship. Please. <laughs> uh. He's a bozo, isn't he? Like, just a straight up bozo. <laughs> It's probably why he's captaining that old-fashioned ship that I've theorised is old-fashioned, because he's just an idiot. He doesn't deserve a problem. (laughs) They won't allow him to have the new ships because he's just shit. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. And if you had to serve under him, ugh. See, this is why the Klingon Empire will never, ever defeat the Federation. It's, It's just... It's weird cronyism. Do you know what they remind me of? They remind me of people who think that they know more about heavy metal than everybody else. And, oh God! And they have to go around telling everybody how much they know about heavy metal music. And whether you're into it or not, like you know, as a human, like if you equate you know heavy metal music to war, which is what I'm doing here, like you know, <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm quite into metal, but I like other genres as well. And they're like, yeah, but we're all about heavy metal. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it, mate. But like the thing is, there is a little bit more to life than heavy metal. Like, how are you paying your mortgage? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is a promotion on a Klingon ship, Elliot, is done by assassination. You have to kill the person above you in rank, and then you become that rank. How many Klingon ships return home with one person on board? (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Well, good news, I'm captain now. Bad news, everyone's dead. (laughs) I was the toilet cleaner, but now I am the captain. (laughs) And also the toilet cleaner, and the mechanic, (laughs) and the (laughs) ship. But also, I don't know what any of these buttons do, and I'm scared. I tried cleaning them, and it didn't work. (laughs) He's plunging the torpedo. (laughs) Oh, God. They should not survive. (laughs) This is where Archer does finally get a bit aggressive and says, yeah, you could try and take our ship, but you're all still a bit weak, and I think your weapons are damaged, and we definitely fired your last torpedo, so I could kill you instead. Then the Klingon's like, all right, fuck off then. (laughs) Like, I know you don't have any torpedoes, because Malcolm was on your ship. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the Klingon says, we have heard of this Malcolm. He cleans the poo. (laughs) (laughs) And then they all laugh, including Enterprise. Yeah. So then the Enterprise just leaves. And then we get another really fucking weird scene of Malcolm, Hoshi, and T'Pol sat very rigidly and awkwardly in the sexy room saying to Phlox, no, we don't want to come out yet. This is really relaxing. Yeah, I forgot about the sexy room. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was weird. Every time we go to the sexy room, it's weird, let's face it. But it's I didn't nice know that they liked it in there. That's even yeah. weirder. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's apparently it's like a spa. But I th- I felt like Hoshi in particular was just sat very awkward, straight <laughs> yeah. upright. I, I felt like that the actress Linda Park 
she did not want to film that scene. No, no. Yeah. I, I also feel that um, the, the guy who plays Malcolm, whose name escapes me, Dominic Keating. Dominic Keating had been working out like fuck for a couple of days before he knew he had to do the sexy room scene because he was considerably buffer in that scene than he was. Yeah. <laughs> up to that point. <laughs> yeah, but th- they even get to Paul to say, oh, yes, this is pleasant. And that's where the episode ends. Which is so weird. Do you know what? Watching this episode, I didn't actively hate it. No. I didn't particularly like it. I just thought the whole thing was utterly pointless. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Didn't amount to anything. Elliot, there, I'm really was... interested in hearing about your Captain Archer stuff as well at this yeah, point. Yeah, well, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Um, okay. I, I agree. I actually didn't hate this episode. There was some in, more enjoyable stuff in there. There was, you know, there's, as usual the hints of character progression rather than actual character progression. But there was still some enjoyable scenes and stuff. But yeah, as you point it there, I do realize that you're right. And it was totally pointless. My Nothing of episode, any consequence happened. Yeah, exactly. My, my thoughts in this episode was it was a waste of a legacy alien species. Um, this could have been literally any bozo alien species at all whatsoever, because I feel if you have Klingons show up and you can't use Klingons all the time because, you know, the story doesn't ca- you go in that direction and also it wastes that character, makes them less effective when they do show up. If the Klingons show up, you feel like there needs to be something that comes of it. And I feel that nothing particularly came of it that you couldn't have just had by like a, a generic belligerent alien of the week. Yeah. I agree. I think it's quite telling. I usually, you know, I I have memory alpha open while we're doing these things to remind me what happened in the episode, because sometimes they're really boring and I don't remember. (laughs) And I also like to just go into their sort of the the extra facts they put on there about episodes. There's nothing interesting about this episode. They really struggled. One of the things on memory alpha is in previous episodes, T'Pol has had to use a nasal inhibitor. But in this episode, she's in the sexy room and doesn't need it. I did notice that as well. I did notice that, oh, yeah. you can't smell humans anymore? Okay. But that's an oh. interesting fact about this episode on Memory Alpha. That's uh, where we've come to. Uh, the, the, the Paul can't smell people anymore. <laughs> Continuity yeah. error. There was, there was like a hint of a, of a... It almost seems like one of those episodes where you get like hints in it that there was something else totally planned, and that was to do with smell. Because you've got two of the, you know, you've got one character with a cold, one that has issues with the stench of human beings anyway, and then the character who has to translate that kind of stuff, so she has to be there. But yeah, it was weird. I don't know what what they were trying to to make of it in, in that sense, or what was there before. Also, uh, and just like before you start on, on anything about Archer, Archer uh-huh. was just a very meddling background character in this episode. Yeah, yeah, just like lurking around doing things wrong. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I listening back to our episodes that have just sort of come out, I uh, I came off as if I really dis- dislike Archer, I think, or maybe I did. I don't dislike his character, but I do think that he is a terrible captain, and that's to do with his personality. And many instances that I'm about to mention will prove this. His personality is that of a man who will look at a rock on the ground and he just has to kick it. So he kicks the rock and then he looks up and he's just broken the window of a Ferrari. And (laughs) he, he just 
and that is his personality over and over and over again. What's that? We've encountered the Klingons three times. Oh, yeah. Hey, Trip, did you know there's 900 pages on Klingons that I should have read the first time we encountered them and got threatened by them? <laughs> but nah, it'll take the third time to I'll do it. The Klingon in the back seat. Your plan was to just literally rummage around in this massive gas giant and hope we find the ship again? I'm with that Klingon. Yes, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> He's a terrible captain. Backseat Klingon is 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 an amazing <laughs> phrase. <laughs> like I've yeah, his heart's in the right place, but he has terrible instincts to be a captain. I think you have hit on something here, actually, Elliot. I think the the last episode, Dear Doctor, we get a hint of some actual character development and something interesting with Archer when he's trying to decide what to do about you know saving an entire race and whether he should be interfering or not. But I think up until then, and now again as well, and there's going to be a bit more of this, there's no real character to him. As you say, he's just a, a guy who reacts to things by kicking them. It was the same as when they found the planet, and he's just like, let's go down there, let's immediately go to the planet. And Paul's like, but danger. No, planet. Like, he kicked the rock. No, don't kick the rock. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that is a really good point, and it, it, it is... Has he? He's not never commanded a starship before, has he? But up until the Enterprise, this was like his first command. Yeah, uh, I, he's already got the rank of captain in Starfleet, so I presume he may have had, like, he captained some kind of crappy little warp one thing or something. I don't really know, but obviously, Enterprise is the first ship of its kind. So yeah, I wasn't sure if he wasn't just like he'd just been promoted to captain, and they were like, right, you're a captain now. We need to find you a ship. And he was just like, you know, on furlough or something until the ship turned up. <laughs> but he just feels like somebody who got that rank through nepotism. Because I think he did, didn't he? Because his dad, yeah. Yeah. And not to, yeah. not to sort of rag on Scott Bakula as well, because I think that he does you know, a great job at making this character as sympathetic as the script will allow it to be. But yeah, just Jonathan Archer at least for this season anyway, because I know he gets better, thank God. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a bit of an imbecile. No, I, I agree. And I think, as you say, we because I think Bacula played that scene in the last episode, Dear Doctor, where he's having that conversation with Phlox. Him and John Billingsley were both superb yeah, in yeah. that scene. That was a good scene. So you yeah. give them the right material, and these actors can do some great stuff with these characters, but they're just not being given the material at the moment. It's it's like um, just get forward a bit like um, Kate Mulgrew from uh, Star Trek Voyager plays Captain Janeway. She's Kate Mulgrew is brilliant. I, I love Kate yeah. Mulgrew's like abrasive style, but like that captain is so inconsistent, and it's a shame when like a really sort of good fun actor gets let down by some really shoddy writing for some of these episodes. And there is a lot of shoddy writing on Enterprise at the moment. <laughs> if Archin doesn't get Archer doesn't get better at his job. I'm, I'm. They're all gonna die. Straight up, straight up facts, <laughs> facts, dog. Them's the breaks. Well, anything more to say on sleeping dogs? Just that it wasn't a bad episode, like you said. It just wasn't a memorable or episode that made any sense. I felt like there was another story in there that could have been way, or not even way better. It didn't even need to be way better. It could have just been good. You know, it's a run of the mill sort of you know, no consequences episode. I think there was an opportunity for actual character progression here and, and through the series as a whole, if they'd had natural progression, this was another opportunity to build on that. But as we said, Hoshi just turns up and says, Hey, remember that episode? Well, I'm going to refer to that, even though we haven't done it since. And there's, there's, yeah, there's just no 
proper sense of character progression in the series at the moment, just stuff that happens. It felt like it was shot out of order. Maybe. But I don't think it was, but it just feels that way. Like, I think that this probably was meant to be this part of the series, but it should have been an episode or two after the last one where she freaked out about having to wear a spacesuit or go yeah. through a, a spook yeah, sort I of agree. relationship. All I'm going to remember of this episode is that dumb Klingon going, I don't know what it could be. Glug, 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 glug. Ted thinks it might be his new hairspray. Glug, 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 glug. Well, we're poisoned. Glug, 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 glug. Uh, uh, he, he he doesn't come back, Elliot. I'm sorry. Good. <laughs> Stampled off in a huff. Probably went straight into the center of the gas giant and got compressed. Yeah. Hopefully Booger assassinated him. <laughs> So our next episode is Shadows of Pajem. Elliot, anything there? I don't know. Um, Let me give you a clue. Pajem was the monastery in the Andorian incident. Oh, okay. So possibly revisiting what happened there. Ooh, who knows? I do. Vulcan politics. Oh. Well, there we go. That was Sleeping Dogs. We are the measure of a fan. We have been. We will continue to be. We're going to persevere. We're halfway through the first season now. I was going so, to say, are we stopping? <laughs> what? <laughs> we've given up. I mean, after what we've watched, I wouldn't blame us. But I feel like some of the worst is out of the way now, and we've only got half the first season to go. So let's face okay. it. It's it's funnier when the episodes are bad. <laughs> yeah, Can't I don't be. know how yeah. these are, how how we're going to work when it's a good episode. But <laughs> I know I'm worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't have to think about it for some time yet yeah we've got some time yeah as ever all the links to our various socials will be put in the description of this episode so feel free to click on those and engage with us there if you want to or not i'm not your dad i don't care <laughs> i just want to dedicate this episode to all the poor souls who died on the iks somro after this episode as a result of their stupid belligerent captain we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. very model of a modern major general of information vegetable and animal and mineral.